Colourpunkers. They're back. They're back. They're really, really back. I'm in the Cucina today. Why is that? Because I've been renegaded to the Cucina because my husband works in the study slash office slash spare room. So I'm in the Cucina and I don't like it because I'm just surrounded by M-E-S-S. Never mind. You know, even then when you said M-E-S-S, I had to really, really concentrate. Shirley, No, but I can't. Everyone, even the manny started spelling things out and I just said, no, no, no. I can't. I can't handle this. I won't have it. Stop no, no, no. it. No, Stop. Even, um, yeah, you're quite. There's, a, there's quite a bit of reverb on you, Shirley. There, but that's fine. No, there's Listen, no reverb. Ne- back once again with the renegade master. Back once again with the renegade master. Shirley and I had a date, date, date night last night, didn't we, Shirley? We did. You took me on a date. But then I, I reimbursed you, so then it wasn't much. Well, we, 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 went we went Dutch. Dutch. We, went, we Dutch. went Dutch in the end. Um, we went to see the Scummy Mummies and the Clapham Grand. It was nice to be out, wasn't it? It was in nice. I was a little bit... What I just don't understand is, okay, so we have to be masked and hooded in the queue, but then once we get into an enclosed space where we're less than a metre away from each other, then we must to remove the mask. Talk me through that. Why was I the only... Ladies and gents and those who identify as others, just to let you know that as soon as we sat down two by two with quite a lot of space in between, Shirley was the only person who had her mask on. And it was like being out with my auntie Salime. She just had these wide, quite tired green eyes (laughs) just peering above her mask. And everyone else was actually... They were a bit too footloose and fancy-free, I thought. Because everyone was crawling back and forth. So there was spittle coming from the mouth, the nose, the the ears. And never mind what was happening, the secretions from Dow. Everyone was a mother. There was a lot of leaking puss puss, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and why do we think that's okay to be unmasked? You were all guffawing and you just kept on flashing me your pearly whites. And you were so close to me, but we're kind of in a bubble now. We all, I don't know what you well, get yeah, up to when you're not listen, in my bubble. I hate to think. I mean, I have to say, we have been together. We've been closer than close on too many occasions. I wouldn't start accusing me now. But anyway, yes, it was close. But actually, there was a lot of space. But it was strange. The one-way system, the unisex toilets. Don't even get me started on a unisex toilet. I don't mind. No, I, I, I approve of a one-way system. That's the way I it has to mind. work. You, there's no but point you just, just kept your bladder full, I noticed. But no, but I didn't even touch. What, what I just asked for some sparkling water, and they said they got so... The menu... And- Let's discuss the menu. They had Monster Munch on the menu. Monster, they had Pringles. Yeah, just, um, just really a wicked, like blue wicked, pink wicked. I know where mum's gone wrong, but like, come on, just give us a, just give us a sparkling water. Some of us have our motors outside. I mean, some of us Shirley are not was taking really, She was really vexed when they said that they only had sto- soda water. You she, said she yes, mind, and I said, no. no, I won't, thank you. No, I won't. I won't. I've got my own, thank you. Purified, <laughs> many thanks. No, I, it's very funny. No, so that was our date night. <laughs> Romantic as it was. Um, maybe it was nice to be out, though, wasn't it, to be fair? Oh, it is we after dark, Tia Maria. <laughs> I know. My, my wind partner thought there was a break-in. She came what, down... Into the house, into the house when I came in, because I didn't text saying I was on my way home. She then came down wild like Kate Bush, hair just mahoose, and she just said, but What, where, who? And I said, It's what, me. As if she wasn't expecting you. No, because what I usually mean? text on the way back, because I, but because I gave Coming. you a lift to my motor. Two minutes away, just parking, coming to the front Miss door. Miss you. Here now. Hey, hey. Miss you, love you. <laughs> You're too much. Out to the door now. You are are you much. there? Are you there? I can smell you. What, so Happy Christmas! The front door goes, and she goes, who goes there? Who goes there? <laughs> so I'd already entered and taken off my um, my slipper, and my outdoor slipper, and, <laughs> and that's when she came down the stairs. Kate Bush, wild. Her green eyes were pulsating. Babushka, 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 nyanya. 
ask you, what are your best and worst traits about your winning partner? Best and worst just traits? Quickly. Um, just quickly. Best and but worst traits. Okay. Absolutely everything in the house. No, no. That is a fallacy, by the way. Okay. Uh, sometimes it keeps okay. me up at night, the injustice of, of, okay. of, of the, all, all our, the all our 35 listeners thinking that I do absolutely share. fuck all. Okay. So um, <laughs> the best qualities about, so do we do three and three? No, just you're, one each. You're just going to get me in so this. much trouble. Um, just one good quality, one bad quality. That's enough. Three and um, three make six. <laughs> fiercely loyal and capable. Okay. I'm talking about as a mother here. I'm not talking oh. about towards well, your romantic relationship. I'm talking about as a mother role. Oh, oh my gosh. She's a brilliant mother. Brilliant mother. Okay. That's not um, Okay, thank you. <laughs> and, but the worst quality, I fear she may pass down her... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Cynicism. Stoicism. <laughs> uh, you sound like your um, governor. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, no, she, I think she, she might have down her, an- her anxiety. Her. No, no, her no. Anxiety. Her anxiety. Oh, okay. Because, you know, she's sort of, she's very cautious, isn't she? Um, so her best quality is that she's a brilliant mother. Her worst quality is that she might pass on her anxiety. So her, 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 her caution, you know, she's over cautious and I'm she sort of a bit sort of, what would you say I was? I'm a bit... Laissez-faire. Not anymore, though. Not, not anymore. I wouldn't oh, say no. laissez-faire. That's not the word I'm looking for. When I'm looking for the wor- a word like adventurous and you say laissez-faire, I mean, fun. I'm just like, let's... Oh, God, yeah, she's I'm fun. Super oh, God. Fun. Joanna Caroline. Oh, God, she's fun. Uh, yeah. You've okay. all in the past now. How about you? My winning partner, I'd say the best thing about him in terms of his role as a father, he is very progressive and he's excellent with my son. He's a lot more progressive than I thought we would be in a sort of 1950s relationship slash marriage. And the worst trait that he has absolutely slow. hands down and I really really hope <laughs> no it's not the fact that he's slow although that did make me laugh last night when they were saying what's it say he does things so slowly he does things so slowly it's I really go forward my best trait about my husband is the fact that he well his best trait is the fact that he's very progressive he does a lot in the house it's great my worst trait is the fact that he has his headphones in a lot more than I'd like so this morning I was driving past my husband walking my son to nursery and he had his headphones in and I thought actually you know what and I'm whispering because he's not far away he's actually closer than I'd like but no that needs to go I don't like that the headphones I don't enjoy but apart from that he's brilliant he's absolutely brilliant anyway moving on we actually have a guest today we do and we're really excited about this guest um we followed her career from the absolute get-go and um she's just become bigger and bigger and better hasn't she she has. She has. Actually, oh, I she's think we should get her on. She's a stand-up comedian, podcaster, screenwriter, influencer, wife, feminist, friend, and fixer. Give it up for Deborah Francis White. I'm giving up to myself because we don't have live audiences anymore. So I just think I need to be part of the audience. Um, Hello, how are you? Old friends. It's really lovely so, to see you. You look like Nana Muscuri so with those glasses lovely. on. I mean, that's not the look I'm going for, but I'll take it. She was a very glamorous okay, woman in her sorry. day. What I want to know, Deborah, have you thought about going up for Presenting Women's Hour? Now that well, both, I don't both think places you go need up to be for it. Filled. I think the finger of God finds you wherever you are. Oh, I don't know. I think you can put yourself forward. I don't think forward. you go up for Women's Hour. Women's Hour finds you. Women's Hour chooses you. Those conversations have been happening for a long time. And I think someone. I think you could pick up the blower. In a and very say, real a way, word. I don't think. I'll tell you why I'm not going to get hired for Women's Hour, and I'm possibly talking myself out of a job here. Tell. But this is why I think you don't. 
get I won't get hired okay. for it because the difference between the guilty feminist is in women's hour is this. When someone comes on the guilty feminist and says, Oh well I was a refugee and I I was you know, our boat nearly sank, I go, Oh my god and I get really like emotional and changed. And when they say and now the government's charging me with trafficking because I helped another refugee not drown I will say, well, that's outrageous. I'm so angry about that. And to be on Woman's Hour, you have to go, tell me more about that. That must have been terribly difficult. Okay. And you neutral. have to be neutral. You're a jur- mm. They're journalists. They're journalists and journalists need to be neutral. Journalists yeah. can't break down in tears and roar with laughter and then go, no. well, I'm furious. I'm writing to the government now. Right, I'm sending a tweet now. I'm doing it now. Everyone get your phones out. We're all sending tweets. You, you can't do that. And so I yeah. think... No, you are the joy of the guilty feminist is that I don't behave like a journalist. I behave like an a person, um, like engaged with that other person in the moment. And so we had a brilliant interview the other night with the Outram sisters, who are like ninety seven and ninety five. They were both women. They were both code breakers in the war. They're newly Sunday Times bestsellers. Both of them waited to turn eighteen during the war so they could sign up on day one of turning eighteen. And at this, at almost 100, they thought, we'll be Sunday Times bestselling authors. And that's how I want to live, at both ends of my life, with absolute abandon and determination and, and intention. Like, both abandon and intention, which seem like opposite forces, but often aren't. And I was just like, yes. And I talked to my mother about it and told them about the brilliant Outram sisters. And she said, you'll be like that. When you're 100... You'll still be going out and doing things and meeting people and writing books. And I said, I hope so. I really hope so. Yeah, I'm sure you will. Well, I, sure. I mean, I use the word prolific to describe you. I mean, you're, you're, you're everywhere. You're doing everything. You're like, you're like a sort of uh, philanthropic um, Trump Towers, for want of a better expression. Okay, I mean, wow. Um, I won't but be no, but that it's... <laughs> No, 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 absolutely, but you know what I mean, it's just... I like a philanthropic Trump Towers, she's everywhere. (laughs) She's, she's, but it's in a really, really good way, in a really good way, because, you know, you know that, you know that Shelley and I are massive fans. As I am of yours. And we've been there from the get-go. As I am of yours. And we've just, you know, from the early shows, Mm. from the early shows, and, 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 and just watching the shows grow, and I remember you saying the brilliant thing about the podcast, and, you know... For those listeners out there, more folly you. If you haven't heard of The Guilty Feminist, then where have you been hiding? Um, over 60 plus million 75 downloads. Now, Joanna, thank you for asking. Stop it. I mean, we need advice. We've got, our uh, last count was 135. Um, but um, we wonder where we're going wrong. But we'll, we'll take it. That's very, very thank good. You. No, thank you. just... Just the one That's incredible. 100. We've been going for um, thank you. years. But, and... And I think, and we we came up at a time when the when podcasts were sort of it was early, early to mid podcast the podcast boom. So I I kind of we were on a wave, yeah. And and it caught the zeitgeist, the, yeah. the subject matter, and the way that we were yeah. talking about feminism to try and explore it and learn together with our audience caught a wave. Uh, but how long have you been going? Four and a half weeks. Uh, Four and a half weeks. No, in no, a little, a little longer than that. We started lockdown, in the beginning exactly. of lockdown. And you've had one hundred thirty-five thousand yeah. dollars. Then you're a hit. No, my my, <laughs> my darling, one hundred and thirty-five. I keep trying to put the emphasis. You keep saying a thousand afterwards. I'm I'm just saying one hundred and thirty-five. <laughs> I don't know oh, how. Oh, I see. You've only been going for a few weeks. You've got one hundred and thirty-five yeah. downloads. Yes. 
Thank you. Okay. Thank you are welcome. You I would keep me um, in misunderstanding that, and I would edit out the part where you, because if people go, oh my god, they've had 135 that's downloads, what I ke- that's they what would I kept think you're anything. very yes, successful. Thank you. Now you didn't say that. I said it because I misunderstood, no, and I just sort so of blurred over edit it. And, and now we're putting that, a lot of come true. I, I don't want to propagate fake news, <laughs> but on your behalf, so I kind of do. This is more spin than fake news. <laughs> oh, it's all about the spin. mentally physically oh, emotionally that's, a, that's three questions in these times um, I, I mean would in say these times. the early days of lockdown did not suit me uh i i am as you both know uh a people person i i get my energy from people and yes. from engagement and we met through the wonderful hannah gadsby we and did. hannah gets her energy from solitude and then brings that energy out to people I get my energy from people and then bring that back into my solitude. And Mm. that apparently is certainly one definition of an extrovert or an an introvert. And so when it first happened, I completely fell apart that first week. I remember I got very upset because I had to learn all these new Zooms and things. um, Did you learn them though? Did you learn them though, Deborah? Did someone else learn them? No, I made Tom do them. I've I've outsourced them to Tom now. But in the early days, I thought I had to learn them. And I, it was too much. It was too much because I had all this work on writing work and things like that. I had to work out how to adapt my guilty feminist life, which had always been live in theatres and on tour. I was meant to be on tour to something that could work and be financially, uh, you know, pay for itself and pay, you know, I had to, I had mm-hmm. to, you know, because we always pay guests and things like that. And I was just like, oh my God, how am I going to make this work? So it wasn't like I could just have a lovely time and make margaritas and banana bread and do origami like everyone else seems to be doing. I couldn't work out what, I was like, how are you not panicked? Anyway, it was all about margaritas in the early days and house party. Do you remember house party? I thought, well, that's going to take over the world. It didn't, it took over 10 days. And um, Did people it? kept yeah. crashing the room and I thought, oh, I'll just talk to my friends on FaceTime. But I think um, that I remember there was one too many technical things that went wrong for me. And I very uncharacteristically threw my phone across the room and said, I just melted down. And I said, I'm, but I'm not good with technology. I'm good with people and people are gone. And, um, and I, I, I've always said, I've, I don't have therapy, but I, I wait until I get hysterical and then whatever slips out, I analyze that myself. And, <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, people are gone. That's how I felt. People are gone. And, of course, they weren't gone, but that's how it felt. But then, you know what? Week two, I thought, Blitz Spirit, you know, come on. There's guilty feminist listeners are waiting to hear something encouraging. They can't just hear everything's terrible. That's not, that's not useful or, or rallying, is it? So I started to find new ways of talking to my audience and find new ways of working this through myself and... I thought, I thought, you know, when things are different in movies, if they want time to pass very quickly, they have a montage and someone learns to dance in that montage. I'll do that. So I decided to take private dance lessons by Zoom every day to learn to dance. And I thought, oh, let's wow. turn it into a dirty you. dancing uh, uh, montage. And there are days, because I, I also have personal training sessions the same way, and there are days when a you know, I remember one day on Under Pressure came on um, on my workout soundtrack and I thought, I could just, I reckon I can montage us all through this, doing push-ups. I can montage, at the end of this song, we'll all be at the other side. Now, it turned out I could not do that and the pandemic was still on after the song, but, sorry, spoiler alert, and I feel responsible, but 
it, it, it has really helped me mark the time because I couldn't do any choreography at the beginning and I couldn't dance. I hadn't danced since high school and I was nervous about dancing and I always felt a bit, I didn't really like the way I moved on stage and things like that. And it really has changed. And I really, I love, I love dancing now and I really can see on videos of me dancing that my teachers have taken and things off Zoom. I'm like, oh, I look much more like a dancer now and I can really, I'm not frightened of choreography anymore. I can learn it quickly. I mean, within reason. Let's let's manage expectations, gang. When you next see me, if you ask me to do a, a full routine or show me a very snazzy dance move, I'm not, this is, this is, this is relative. Just let's take it into, it's relative. Um, but that's been really satisfying to improve so much at something. That's fab. What kind of dancing, though? Is it like Lindy Hop? <laughs> I, I've uh, some musical theatre, um, and some what my dance teacher, okay. my brilliant dance teacher Melissa Bravo, calls um, uh, commercial, which is sort of say my name, say my name. It's, yeah, it's like it's sort of like no. I guess dancing you would see on a commercial, like if they were advertising an apple. I mean, I'm not. Okay. Very, I'm better at musical theatre than I'm at commercial, but I do it because I think I should kind of try and find my groove. Have you gone into TikTok? Uh, I do watch. With sometimes the, we've done dance TikTok moves. dances. Can we yeah, find you fun, anywhere? Funsies. Oh, um, I love that. But I, I oh, think lovely YouTube that you've, you know. a natural groove. Thank you. But I've had to sort of awaken my inner groove pixie. But for, I think for a lot of people, um, lockdown is the gift that keeps on giving in terms of, you know, experiencing new things, you know, learning to make banana bread, although everyone's so over that now. But um, we, well, we started the podcast... We wouldn't, I don't know that we would have done it had lockdown not happened to us and sort of forced us to do something. No. Because And it was difficult because people say, you know, we're all in the same boat, but no, we weren't. We were all in the same storm and everyone dealt with things differently. differently. And everyone has loads of other personal shit going on. And um, yeah, there was a lot of it was in the mm -hmm. head. Um, now, when I asked you to come on this podcast, and I'm thrilled you said yes, you were a bit reticent at I first. I was. Because you said, you might, you might, she said, oh, I don't want you to lose half your listeners, which would be on quick maths, about 72. Um, thousand. Um, because, thousand. you know, I'm not, I, <laughs> thousand. Because I'm not a mother. And we said, well, that's exactly why we want you on. Do you know that over half our listeners um, don't have children? And we've had people write in and they always preface it with an apology when we do our Q&As. I don't actually have children, so I don't know if this, but what I want to ask mm -hmm. you girls is, and we love that. We love the fact that um, our listeners are our mothers, our other. It doesn't matter. Um, it, this is it is for everyone, even though it's called Mother Funk. And um, there are a lot of our listeners who are also on the fence and just really don't know whether it's something uh, they want or whether it's something that's coming from societal pressures. And it's all just a bit a big question. And of course, we have that age that just tells us what well, it's now or never, and it's all a bit unfair. And if, if you were to give some advice to our listeners who are either who have made the decision not to mm -hmm. or are sitting on the fence, sort of just like words of inspiration about, you know, being on that side of things. I mean, the side of things we're on at the moment, Shelley and I, is pretty hellish. Mm. But, you know, any words of inspiration? Well, the one thing I would say if, is once you've got a child, um, that's pretty that's an irreversible decision. But deciding we're definitely not going to have children for a couple of years, that is reversible. So I think try living with, if you're not sure and you're thinking, gosh, with climate change, we could, we don't need to be having more children. Um, you know, I, I, 
there's no, you know, am I just doing it for convention? Maybe I really do want one. It is a biological calling. Absolutely, people feel incomplete without children, some people. And so if you don't know whether to have one or not, try saying for the next two years, you know, and this depends on your biological clock, but say you've got time. Um, I am going to live with the decision that we are never having children. And just try sitting with that and live your life as if you're not having any children. If at the end of that two years you go, do you know what? I feel a bit unfulfilled, like I'm on a work treadmill and yeah, I've had some nice holidays, but they're all a bit the same. I really want to be nurturing. Then look at what are the ways I can be a parent because it's not always having your own biological child. But if mm. nothing else at the end of that period, you just feel heart sick and like nothing else is going to do but having a child, then maybe having a child is the right decision for you. Um, but if you go, I'm not sure if I want a child or not, but I don't want to miss out on it. And you have one. It's possible that you then might go, oh, because I've had friends sort of confess to me because they couldn't, you know, it's not something most people can say. Most people can't say, I regret this because you feel like you're regretting your lovely little person who you absolutely adore more than anything in the world and you're not regretting that little person you would you do love them more than anyone in the world but a few friends have confessed it to me because I was trying to have a child through IVF and they saw me as someone who had a very exciting active life because I you know I'd be off in New York doing a show or you know over in Australia doing a tour or you know going and doing lots of um, activism stuff and, you know, traveling a lot, that kind of thing. And they would, which is also terrible for climate change, and uh, they would say a couple of times, like a, about three different women at some point or other had a few drinks and then slammed me up against a bookcase and went, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Your life is going to change in ways that you cannot possibly imagine now. And if you're having to go to this extent to have IVF and I... You know, I felt terrible on IVF. I was pumping so many drugs into my body, mm. every orifice. Um, I put on a lot of weight, which uh, is not in itself problematic. I've, you know, I've been all different weights and I've felt good and bad at lots of different weights, both high and low. Um, but I, yeah. it was, it felt like artificial weight. It felt like puffy, you know, and mm. I didn't, mm. I, I, and I, my mood swings were terrible and I was pumping drugs into every orifice and hormones into every orifice. And I do mean every orifice, like literally nasal sprays mm. and ear sprays and, you know, things that would make me feel absolutely dreadful, depressed, things like that. And a couple of friends said to go to all this trouble to do something that's going to limit you so massively, like just a couple of friends said with you, with your personality, with your lifestyle, really seriously think about this because we don't know if you're going to, you know, I don't know if you're going to want to do this. And one person said to me, motherhood is a con. She said, you know, it's something you're, you'll sort of feel like, oh yeah, this is what I should do. Of course I want a lovely little baby. And actually I, when I look back, I didn't just didn't consider what else could I do with my life? What activism could I do? What career choices could I make? Where could I travel? Where could I choose to live? Like she said, I never considered it. I never stopped and went without children. What would my life look like? I just assumed I would have children and she adores her children, absolutely adores them. But she's, I mean, she's a very funny, satirical, sardonic person. So when she says motherhood is a con, she's not dismissing people's wonderful experiences of motherhood or her own wonderful experience of motherhood. But she just, she's saying that in a jokey way to say, you get sort of seduced by your hormones into thinking it's the only option. Yeah. And it isn't. Mm. And I remember in Kat Moran's book, How to Be a Woman, she said, it's a wonderful thing to be a mother and it's all consuming and it's incredible. But she said, having had children, 
she thinks there are other ways looking back there are other ways to be equally fulfilled doing other things and we need some women to make that choice so if you're a woman that doesn't know if you want children or doesn't want children great like go out and do those other things because you know the of the biological issues with having a baby that fall to a woman and uh so i i think that's what i would say um mostly uh it, it's not it, it's not going to be unadulterated bliss if, it, if it's real if you need to do it absolutely do it but if you don't feel you need to do it there will be so many other ways in your life down the line that you can be nurturing and you can be a parent and have that experience of parenting without being a full-time parent to a baby that grows into a child that grows into a growing up you know you are a mother in a non-traditional sense um you know you do have people you've brought people in um yeah i wanted to extend a little bit about that you do because um, it is really important. You're right. There are other ways that you can actually be a mother without, and there are other outlets and platforms. But not everyone knows how. But you've managed to triumph in that department. You, yeah, you? that's the thing. You're an absolute inspiration. I mean, without being too too much of an arsenic, you really are. To just look at everything you've achieved and the way you conduct yourself and the sort of you know poignant messages you get across and the work you have done with refugees. And I know you you've referred to Steve like your brother, um, Steve Alley, who. I, is mm-hmm. still living mm-hmm. with you. Yes, yes, Am I yes. correct? Fantastic, lovely, and and that's and that's amazing, and uh, and and you know, of course, you're not old enough to be his mother, Deborah, and I would never not. suggest such a thing. But there is a, but there yeah, is definitely there, there an eternal is, aspect to that. There is a caring. I remember when you know, just I remember that uh, just at the time being at your house, and you were just like you were just like a mother hen. They were just all coming into you. We made a joke, didn't we? We just bring them all to mm-hmm. your bosom. You just were looking after so many people, and everyone was coming to you for counsel, advice, and you were just. It was like, <laughs> I was going to say, it's the wrong analogy. Mother, mother claps Molly House is what came to my head, but that's absolutely the wrong analogy. But just, I just remember Deborah Finn lay on stage um, um, just with this. It's, 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 a, it's a lovely image. Um, not so much the mother claps Molly House, but you with your, with your gang. Because Steve and, is, um, just to clarify, Steve is someone who you met how long ago? I mean, give us well, a bit of background three about him for years those who ago, don't know. Last week, because we had our three-year anniversary party. So... Um, oh. Steve anniversary we called it so Steve is from Syria but he was displaced he was an architecture student in Syria he was displaced for five years he had to middle of his degree he had to flee his last year was in the Calais jungle which he was largely responsible for you know he built a lot of it and he was the fire uh you know, this very informal you know but he was in charge of the fire truck and he used to be the fire uh, a fighter there and put out the fires and there were fires all the time especially in the winter because everyone used fire for fuel um so steve um was uh you know had been alone a long time and he'd gone from being in a family with his mum and his dad and his siblings to being sort of homeless and stateless and you know really buffeted around and um and when he came to london he got here in a very dangerous way and he he you know had friends from the jungle both volunteers and uh refugees who'd got here and but he was you know sofa surfing and it was unstable and he had had this you know very stable family and then hadn't had that for five years and it's it's disruptive of your attachments and so he came here he did a podcast mm. of mine and then um that day I liked him very much he did global pillage and I liked him very much and I said where are you staying and he said oh, I'm people's sofas um 
and because he didn't have his papers yet and I said well we're going away next week would you like to come and mind our cats and he loved cats missed his cats from Syria and stuff so he turned up to meet mind our cats for three weeks and we just newly had a spare room because we'd knocked through upstairs and so we came and went in that time and he was in the spare room and we just got to know him a little bit and then a mutual friend said, I'd love to find somewhere for Steve to stay and unpack for three months because he hasn't had a home outside a refugee camp in three in years. And I said to Tom, you know, it just seems silly to have a spare room where I'm meant to be writing, you know, and millions of people are displaced. So we said stay three months. And in that time he got his papers. And that was the most, um, one of the most emotional experiences of my life, to, to watch someone yeah, get their human amazing. rights back. There's mm. nothing... There was I had I wasn't prepared for it, and I think until that moment I didn't understand what human rights were, not really, because there are entitlements, things we take for granted. That if you go if you lose them, it becomes illegal for you to live on planet Earth. Like the only place Steve could legally mm. live was somewhere that he would surely die. So, because he was a young man of. And he didn't want to fight for Assad. He didn't want to kill Syrians, you know. And he, he was going to die. You know, he was going to die, but he, and he didn't want to kill. And so everywhere else in the world, it was illegal for him to breathe the air, see a doctor, see a lawyer, work, learn. It was, it's illegal to live on planet Earth. That's, that's, what it, mm. that's, the, that's what it means. And the day he went off, he had to go on a National Express bus to Bolton to get what he thought was his papers in, a, in an envelope. Um, that had been posted and I was like has he not has the man not suffered enough that he has to take a National Express to Bolton Go I thought to Bolton <laughs> I was like you know oh. surely 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 he's been through enough uh, would the Home Office be so cruel but for reasons because of some plot as Tom Tuck would say he had to go to Bolton and so I was like waiting on tenterhooks and because we weren't sure that this was his papers at all anyway he uh, I texted him in the morning and said well and he said um, unfortunately, and I was like, oh no. And then the next text was, um, I'll be staying with you for longer because I got my papers. He like Simon Cowell from Judge, Judge's Houses from X Factored me. Oh. And uh, and he said, he said, you know, um, I don't, he texted me, I don't know how to, I feel numb. I feel like every bad thing that's ever happened to me is falling off the side of this paper. And I said, well, Steve, the human brain's a lot like the home office. It takes a while to process things. And he walked through the door off the National Express and came into the kitchen and he hugged me for like between five and ten minutes. Like, I'm not making that up. It, it was, Aww. he just held me and held me and held me and held me. And just, it, it, you know, I think the thing with the refugees I know, and I don't want to beatify refugees and, you know, they're just human beings. Every, you know, if you took a, a random thousand people out of London this afternoon and put them in boats off Dover, that's who refugees are. They're everybody. They're, ev they're just displaced human beings. They could, they're, their uh. life experiences and, and before that are any that you can imagine. But the refugees that I know, um, and from my experience working with refugees and Steve and Steve's friends, the thing, and a, another friend of ours took another refugee uh, young man that you know called Yusuf, who's amazing, and that spent a Christmas with you, Joanna. And He did, well, you, yeah, you yes. But I just wanted to... He's a lovely, yeah, lovely he's man. he's a really sweet young man, but he was only like 18 then, and I was like, he didn't have anywhere to go for Christmas. And I know Christmas is not his culture, but if I was in... And, if I was in a country where everyone was celebrating Eid and I wasn't invited anywhere, you know, you know, you know, all the shops are shut and it feels like 
Yeah, and that's exactly how you put it. And it really, it was an amazing way to put it. We're in a foreign country and we could all imagine that. And when you said, when you put that post out, can someone please look after this young man? He's on his own, he knows no one and it's Christmas. I just immediately, I have to, he has to come here. And uh, my brother was coming to stay. And I said to my brother, because he was bringing his son, my nephew, and I said, so uh, we're going to have a refugee to stay. He's the sort of brother you have to run things by him. He doesn't like surprises. Is that okay with you, dear brother? Um, and he said, well, we don't know this guy. You know, we, we don't know where he's from. We don't, we don't know anything. He started sort of speaking like the Daily Mail. And I said, John, your mother was a refugee, okay? That's who he is. He's just like you or me, okay? So just... just get with the picture I was really upset with him and that sort of sobered him up for a minute because all my family are refugees are Palestinians and displaced and now live in Jordan and um so and he he came and he was he was such a delight and his English wasn't terribly strong then and we served up the turkey and the roast spuds and he just looked at looked at it blank and I, I could see him he was missing his food so when the evening rolled round, I just said no no put your put your turkey to one side I'm going to cook him something I cooked him an Arabic sort of dish and he just Ugh. sat there just wolfing it down because this is really good this is really good yes that go, just makes me feel like crying Joanna. i feel like i have to hold back the tears because he's so, so he's doing so well now and he's english is amazing and i i he it's just the two things that i think you can't hurry love you just have to wait and uh thank you you can't you can't you can't <laughs> you can't, can't say that love. seriously though no you, you can't say that I think the ways in which you know in terms of bringing it back to sort of the idea of uh, the 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 mothering without in any way being patronising to Steve or his wonderful mother who I've met on FaceTime who I think is great and you know she's his mother and I don't want to in any way undermine that and he was 25 when he came to us so this is not to infantilise him but I know that he would say or has said those that somebody making you feel like you're really important like I remember a few times when he like he stayed at a friend's and didn't come home and didn't text me. And I was like, Steve, I was so worried about you. I was texting him at three o'clock in the morning. You were right. And he was so not used to that because he'd been in a camp. No one's going to ask or, you know, been on the road or whatever. And it sort of, I think he was like, oh, I'm important to somebody. If I went yeah. missing, someone would look. Someone yeah. would care. And not that someone his mother cares. wouldn't care, but she wouldn't know. Like, you know, you can't. And he, he never wanted to worry her. Once you're on the road, you stop telling your mother stuff because, you know, he doesn't want to scare her. So, you know, he's not going to ring her up and go, it's terrible in this, you know, I've come to a new refugee camp and I don't know anyone and I'm really scared and this had a terrible experience and one of the, you know, the CRS um, had a go at me and I thought I was going to get taken to prison. He's never going to tell his mother that. You know, like, of course not. So to have somebody also who understands your new city your new life who is plugged into the culture because some things i've i've even found this with my mum in australia and um i'll try and explain what's happening in london but it's such a different you know you have to explain so many things i can't mm. just say oh i had a brilliant time with shirley and shirley um because it's with no you know, context you know you have yeah, to explain so much and much. so she's got as much they've got as much as one hundred seventy-four thousand followers don't you know if you find a connection with someone who is displaced or, you know, it could be someone in this country who has had a really tough childhood or, you know, been in some way or another really disenfranchised and left out to dry. Part of it is being their speed dial when things are good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, hearing it's... you talk now, it's, it's, you're talking like a proud mum. Yeah, you are. <laughs> 
you know, no one, no one else, because no, because no one else. You, you talk like how Charlene, me talk about the little sort of, you know, achievements of a not, not, not to say that Steve's are little. We're talking about our son's achievements, which are very little at this stage. But you know, you do. You're talking like a yeah, proud mum. It's his, his mum is so amazing. And when we talked, it was so funny because um, she and I were sort of chatting. You know, she's from such a different culture, and you know, it's. But it, it, she and I were chatting, and I was saying, poor Steve is having to interpret every single thing that we said because she doesn't speak English. And I was saying, well, the only thing is that Steve doesn't eat vegetables and I really try and get him to speak. And so poor Steve was having to then say in Arabic, she's saying I don't eat vegetables. And then she would say something in Arabic and he would say, she says, I've always been like that. And, I, and I'm a trial. And yes, it's very difficult. It was so, it's so funny. It's a, and I often think Steve's taught me a lot more than I've helped Steve. I mean, you know, it really has been. A two way street. So much a two way street. So much a two-way street. And, uh, wow, know. well, you just leave us dumbfounded. I mean, what a role model. And haven't you got 175 <laughs> godchildren as well? I've got a few godchildren. And I am. I would recommend, if you're looking for a godmother... I can see why. ...you find someone without children who isn't going to have children or thinks they're not going to have children. Yeah, that's... Because yeah. they're much more interested yeah. in your children than... than of course, and they've got yeah, the time. What, exactly. No, well, Deborah hardly has the I've time. I've taken all my godchildren no, 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 to Disney in, in because... Because yeah. yeah, Tom yes. and I wanted oh to go gosh. to Disneyland... Oh, and, I'd rather eat my own thigh. Yeah, no, Tom and I wanted to go. To, we love Disneyland. So we're like, it's much more fun with children. <laughs> and also, sure. it's an excuse to go, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, we've done that. And, I, and, and I've taken two of my nieces to Euro Disney when they've come, uh, when they've come over from uh, New Zealand. And taken them to Paris and, oh, you, know, d- you know, sitting in cafes. And the Eurostar. And, you know, Did you go on the Eurostar? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh! You know you were gonna get you're gonna therapy. get loads of people. You how many how many have you got? So there's yeah I've got five ch- Fairy former nanny uh, children who are you know grown up now, but I still see them a lot. And Ned actually works with me and does podcasting with me. Um, Crikey! And then I've got various godchildren and various nieces and a nephew. And uh, Tom's also got a niece and a nephew that's mine as well because we're married. Uh, and so yeah, various nieces and nephews and. That's a lot of yeah, kids. Yeah, but they're great. It's they're enough. All, it's enough. They're Deborah. all great. And, you know, a friend of mine said that's the best bit is taking them on trips. And, you know, I've yeah. got also, yeah. I've also got, and this could be helpful to people. Um, I've got what I call um, uh, cod daughters. And it's like, a, it's like being a godmother, but you're a cod mother. And it's like, you know, like a cod accent is fake. Um, but it, is, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, it approximates, ah. a, you know, if you say, oh, it's a cod French accent, it approximates a French accent. Now, how you become a cod mother is... Cod is, mother? I'm your cod mm, mother. It's, it's... No, I like it's, it. Keep going. How you become I a like cod this. mother is you sort of, you and the child decide, we get on really well. Yes. I could be a great cod mother for you. And you nominate, I mean, do fill the parents in, do check with the parents this is okay. You don't just go up to a child at a bus stop. But uh, if you're, say you're given a godchild and then that godchild... You know, you want it to work out well. Doesn't but, fancy yeah, it. Say they like mm. sport. It's not going to. Uh, you're, and actually, I did. I did take my. I did take my godsons to the football. Actually, so. Um, uh, but you know what I mean. Um, my god, my godsons who like sport are brilliant. But uh, but you know what I mean. Like they've got a lot of other interests as well. Yeah. If you sure. are, if you you may connect with that child, you may not. They're a tiny baby. They might like you. They might not. You know, they might move near, whatever. So if you live near someone and you have a real great connection with that child and every time you go over there, you're having like funny riffs or they both, you both love books or something. You can then say, would you like me to be your cod mother? And that means you get to take the child <laughs> yeah. that you actually like 
and connect with and get on with out to the theatre. And I've got a couple of cod daughters now that because they live near me. And um, if I want to go and see uh, a film or a play that's really would be more appropriate for me to take a child to, um, uh, I do like trips to the theatre or, you know, little shopping trips or things like that um, for local children that I have a good connection with. And uh, I think that's a really great thing to do as well because all yeah. parents love people who take an interest a in lovely their children. A lovely lie down, a lovely long lie um, down. Who get, if they get on with the child. And which mother doesn't want someone to take their child out to the theatre while they can have a lovely afternoon off? Everyone yeah. wants that. Sounding De- lovely. Deborah. Mm. Deborah, will you be mm. my cod mother? <laughs> it's sounding really good. You need a cod I'm liking mother. the sound of this shopping chips and theatre I could just chips. take you off to the theatre, yeah, or take you out shopping and spoil no, you. No, I need, I need mothering. I need some mothering. You need a cod I mother. I do. It's true. You do. We sh- and we should cod mother each other. That's a great idea. Like friends, you could cut. You could say. You could say. For one week this year, I'm going to be your cod mother and I'm just going to spoil you. I'm going to take you out for a facial. I'm going to take your afternoon tea or I'm going to come over and chat to you and we're going to go through all your clothes and, you know... Nick all your clothes. Brilliant. Nick all your clothes, exactly. I'm going to come over and, you know, I want want a cod mother to help me. I could be both your mannies. Shall I I be both your mannies? I need to be our manny. I love it. Yeah, we need to outsource, Debs. If we're going on a day out, we definitely need to outsource. We need help. very quickly a long time ago at the edinburgh festival you said to me a girl like you should always wear top shop and miss selfridge a long oh, at I the said edinburgh that. festival i'd say you said a girl, <laughs> a girl like, like you like should you. always wear top shop cannot believe I slash miss selfridge and i thought okay and i think you said it as a sort of compliment <laughs> but i know i've been dumbfounded I ever since i genuinely don't remember saying that and you... i'm outraged that i did <laughs> why would i say that i think i know why you said so it stylish it's because no. a girl like you doesn't need to spend money on designer clothes because you can pull off Topshop and Selfridges to save your money. And I can't believe I'm paying you a compliment, Shirley. But that's why I think this, I, I that is why. Such a sweet that auntie is why. thing to come Oh, in I with. know what I would have exactly, said. Exactly. I know what I would have said. I, I, I actually okay, know, I think I said? know what I said now. What I meant. You know, sometimes what someone hears like, and what, what did you, you say. What you oh, mean, I suffer from this. Impact. I suffer from this disease. I think I said, if I were you... I was probably wearing some fancy designer thing and you said it was nice. And you I were. said, I said, yeah. if I looked like you, if I had your figure, I would just go down to Topshop and I'd buy all the skinny jeans and da da da. Like I would just wear like really cool, trendy, contemporary clothes. But because I look like I look or feel like I feel, I think I need some kind of fancy designer dress that's got the all the, the sort of the sweep in all the right places. Because you've got such a tall, slim figure... I think I was thinking if I looked like you, I'd go down and buy some like really cool, funky top shop, top, top shop jeans and a fitted T-shirt. And I wouldn't worry with all of this kind of like fancy dresses. Yeah. That, I think that's okay. what I meant. Um, Listen, yeah, that's it. why I said that. I, I, that's, I thought you were saying if I was, I thought you'd just call me quite high it's, street. It's which a sort is of a, no, I would be way but, more high street if I felt I could get away with it. Who gets away with High Street these days? Okay, I'm, glad, I'm glad we've got, I've sat with that for seven years, so I'm glad we've cleared that up. Deborah. Well, that was a terrible <clears> piece <throat> of cod mothering. <laughs> I basically went, you know what? You're cheap. Your clothes should be too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're cheap. You look as cheap. You should just I go mean, cheap. cheap. No one's cheap. fooled. Hey. No one's fooled if you wear a fancy buy dress. Cheap, that is twice. not what I meant. I meant 
I wish that I was your height and your your slinky. You know, you've got you you you, you look stylish in anything. Is you what I mean. You look stylish in anything. Oh, that's really okay. Kind. That's enough compliments, exactly Shirley. Thank you very much. There's enough compliments. Thank you both look fabulous in everything. No, darling. So much. I, I, that's really, really. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. Listen. We want to come to one of your Guilty Feminist pod- pod- podcasts, but they sell out like hot potatoes well, you every bring time. Me and I'll don't they? She always sneaks me in the back door through can the back you? flap. Oh, wait, listen, Shelley and I had a date last night and we sort of nearly enjoyed it. We would definitely enjoy it if yes. we came to your um, Guilty Feminist podcast. Well, we well, we're at the podcast festival this weekend, 7.30, and we, our guest is Katie Melua. Ooh. It's so it's so down to go. But I can sneak you in. No, this weekend, well, this weekend I'm in the country. I'm going for a. A funky five in the country but was there another one after that yeah the following year uh, darling no, because of, of the government banning everything because of a pandemic i don't know oh, if you've gosh. heard but in camden oh. we are having a global pandemic in battersea it's fine <laughs> it's, well here we're having a global pandemic and i i i absolutely don't recommend it so something about being in a live audience that immediately i really miss that deb's really oh and she's fabulous, you, you know, fabulous just, yeah we love to our show. listener to our listener out there She's truly, truly... To 175,000 <laughs> No, I've gone right down to the one listener now. It's your mum. Um, to, to our listener out there, she, I mean, this one's absolutely fabulous. And we probably need to bring you on again to discuss all the other wonderful things you're doing um, because I, it can't be done in one session. I can't break you down in one no, session. You. Well, can I just say to people, could you just go to Choose Love because the refugee camp, which is full of people like Steve, who I love, who are people who are special and are important. And certainly lots of children who I met at the school there, who at the amazing Gecko Kids School. And so please, if you can go to Choose Love and ask choose love. the people who have the power to choose love and even just choose justice, choose humanity, choose the same bit of scrap of humanity that you would hope someone would have for you if you were in that situation. Um, if you can do that, please do, because there are lots and lots of special, important people who are sitting in car parks at the moment um, with absolutely nothing as winter approaches, as COVID takes hold. And all they need is a little patch of uh, space to be where it is not illegal for them to breathe the air and a little tiny patch of anything, opportunity to start over and uh, and be with the ones they love or find new ones who will love them. So go to choose.love now please yeah we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes for that thank you deborah thanks so thank much thank you thank you so much for coming on thank you thank you for having me shelly and shirley i think i'm gonna have to sit with that for a while food for thought I, i'm gonna have to imbibe it for food it's like well you know it's one of those italian weddings where you literally have 12 courses and you just sit and you ingest <laughs> you don't digest you ingest you wait, and then you knock back a few limoncellos. Um, <laughs> Shirley, Shirley. What I was excited about was our next date. Our next When is that, and where date. are you taking me, now that you're in the money? I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to go Can I just, can I just tell our lips? We, no, we, we should, should dine. dine. One day we will dine. Um, can I just um, sort of draw attention to back to last night? There was, a, there was an item in the Scummy Mummies show where they wanted the mummies in the audience to write down on a pen and paper they'd provided. Obviously, I didn't touch them, you know, um, germs and all. Um, and they want... 
she didn't go anywhere near them. You know, what's the scummiest story? A really, really scummy story you've got. Like, maybe once your child has vomited in the aisles of Sainsbury's and you've just fucked off right out of there. That kind of scummy story. So then Shirley promptly gets her pen and without even, you know, looking askance, just starts jotting down a scummy story. She goes, this one will win. And she starts straightening out her collar, ready to go up on stage and collect her champagne, which was the prize. It was a bottle of champagne. It's absolutely true. And then she gave it over to me to read. I read it and I turned a darker shade of puce. And I, um, I, get, I said, really? I said, wow. And then I got my camera out and put it onto video because I was ready to video her going up to take her prize. Because you were sure I was going to win. sure yeah. you take over. So the item came towards the end of the show, and it was a good item. You know, they managed to waste at least half an hour, and I thought, gosh, this is a good idea. They've really bulked this out. They've really padded this out. Anyway, so they have this ironing board, and there are two women in the audience they chose. They just happened to be nannies who wanted a good night out, and they, ha- they were the adjudicators. So they read out 10 stories, and there were things like, when my baby was young, I was breastfeeding after, have, uh, after having had a fake tan, and their face was orange for a no, week. Whoa, and I left it, and that's really stunning. Sort of, so then it goes up on the board, whoa. and another one. The one, actually, the woman who it won, up. the woman who won, and I, I think you were, you were cheated, Shirley, because yours didn't even get read out, and you, maybe we'll find out why. Um, but the woman who won said, "I, I forgot uh, my my daughter lost her tooth during um, lockdown, and I completely forgot to give her tuppence, so I told her the tooth fairy had COVID, and this was just so scummy that she got up on stage and she was so pretty and bright she and chirpy and cheap, and she took a bottle of champagne." Um, but why didn't you? And I we were just like we've been robbed. That I would we've be been getting robbed. That. Because I thought all of these stories are absolutely fine, but this is lame in comparison to my scummy story. So I will. I'm quite embarrassed if anyone, well, quite a few people actually listen to this story. It is heightened, and I did have to think quick on my feet. And I thought this will this will show them. So I just wrote down on a piece of paper when my son was newborn, I used the snot from his nose to lubricate my husband's shaft the first time we had sex. <laughs> I know. And I, and I, was I know. Just like, it, I know it goes above and beyond, but I thought, well, I'll give a them. scummy story, you wait. Now, I'll give them a scummy story, but we realised, Shelley and I both agreed that actually it was probably yeah, too, scummy too scummy to read out. That's why they left you're, it. You're not worthy of their champagne. It was too much. You're not worthy of it. And actually, we thought in retrospect, yeah. it's much better that I wasn't And there I am, taking video, putting it on social media. Put it on, yeah, and we were definitely all lose all sort of um, 75 followers, exactly. So I'm really pleased I did. And actually, it wasn't necessarily the truth, but it was a thought that went through my head when we first had sex. Because, you know, at that time, gosh, you take any lubricant you can. Do you remember how... Yeah, I mean, you waited a while, but you know... <laughs> you go... <laughs> anyway, whatever. Whatevs. But that was our date night, and that was nice. I walked Shirley yeah, down I know, just like two old women. Just like, do you want... Where, where are you parked? Two all the women. way up there. I go... I'll walk you to your car and then walks me to my car and looks around in the dark. I go, well, I'll give you a a lift back to yours. Um, It's very nice. And then Shelley laughs as my central locking system didn't work because it hasn't worked for ages. So I have to go into the passenger seat, just hoik my ass onto the seat, try and open it. I always literally nearly take out an Uber that's driving by a, a silent Prius. And then I have to get in. I mean, literally, it's the bane of my life. And you know why? Because I cannot be bothered to take it to the mechanic. The I just time, can't. I haven't got the time, nor do I have the inclination. And what's your, what's your winner winner this week? Um, I don't really have one, do I? I've not had one for weeks. Isn't that tragic? A winner, winner 
I just don't have one. I mean, I don't. We've. Been, I tell you, we've been enjoying our Friday nights, breaking bread together, because Friday nights, he usually has a long sleep at nursery. We eat together about seven, eight, and then he goes to bed about ten. We Do all you go ever to bed have about dinner 10, without your son present? No, sometimes. I'd say one in five. Amazing. We no. have never had dinner yeah, with one him in at five. the table. Oh, well, bully for you. Um, okay, um, what, what's, your, what's your dead duck? The fact that he every time he goes to nursery, he gets so unwell. Yeah, so it will happen. Two green slugs hanging from his nostrils. It's not no, nice. No, I always said, so I never understood when I was not a mother. I said, these mothers, how can they let their children go around with slugs know, hanging out the their nose? That's the thing about us. We judge we other judge. mothers. We don't judge the fathers, no, do we? I hate it. And that's exactly, as I'm wiping his nose, I go, no, 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 because they judge me, not your father. They're going to judge, no, come back. Awful, isn't it? Women, beware women. Beware women, say. absolutely, every time. What's your dead my duck? My dead duck is that he seems to, a phrase, he just keeps on using a bit too much for my liking, which is, I don't like it. And he's back into a West Country because he went northern for a while. Like he went northern for a while. Um, but no, it's just like, I don't like it. So you give him, you go, what do you want? We tweaks or porridge? Porridge. You make of him, I don't like it. Okay, take it away. No. I go, okay, do you want it? No. I don't like it. And then go to wake him up in the morning, pick him up in the morning. No, I don't like you. I go, who do you want? I want, I want you know, the, the winning partner. But in partner goes, no, I don't like you. And it's just like, oh, come on. My son does a very similar thing where he goes, oh, no, 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 no. And then, yeah. And no, no, no. Would you like an apple? No, no, no. Yeah. And then you give him, no, 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 no. Yeah. It's just a wind up, isn't it? The wind yeah, up they, merchants. they know how to wind you up. It's just, a, it's just one from the other. Just that. And then you're running around them. like just I. And I said, I, I said to my winning partner, just leave him. We're grown women. He can't treat us like this. You know, just leave him. And then let, let's see what he don't likes no more. And I don't like it. I don't like it. And he's dropped the S now, which I'm really frustrated about. I, at least I, I liked it when he said I don't like it. Now he goes, I don't like it. And it's just like, wow. Um, you have no idea, son. You have no idea. But, um, and a winner, winner. Winner, winner. I'm sure there's something good that's happened this week. There must be. There must be something joyous. Yes, you take him to the sand pit. You take him on the scooter. You, you build castles. Yeah, so you do lots yeah, of things. To you go to the zoo the entire time. You take him swimming. I've seen friends this week um, with, with the child. And I just said, I came back to my wedding party this morning. I said, do you know what? Because I saw um, um, Auntie Lulu and Uncle David. And um, all friends, uh, they don't have children, which means they're just looking after mine, which is perfect. And I said, you know, I miss, I, I miss, uh, we, we've got it wrong in the middle classes because we have no family structure in the same way that, you know, the working classes and the upper classes have. You know, either the upper classes, they outsource, so they've got proper staff. I'm not talking about a manny who comes in once a week. I'm talking about full-time staff. I'm talking about chefs, you know, nannies, a okay, team of I, people. I, can I, and then the, work, no, no, but the working classes have their family structure, so there's always people around, okay. cousins, aunties, uncles. Whereas the middle classes, just like, you know, occasionally employ someone or are just alone, floating. No, I really want, I want something more... Um, that's why I say, no, you want a village. Dance. You do want a village because it's so, he was delighted this morning. He was so happy with his auntie Lulu and we all, everyone was having fun. And I go, wow, that's the way to pass the morning. How lovely. I think you should go to a kibbutz. Okay. There are these kibbutz at the moment. No, 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 really. I think kibbutz is the way forward for you. So how many agree that your willing partner was going to let you go on? She won't let me go if I take the boys. So she says, by all means go, but you're not taking. You can go by yourself a couple of days, two, three. I, I think I'd miss him too much. I don't okay. think I'm ready yet. 
Imagine um, I'm just slagging him off and now I'll miss him too much. I this know, it's happens. always the way. Now, oh ladies gosh. and gents, and those who identify as other, it's really important. I've been given an absolute rollicking about this before. I must, we must mention the fact that it would be fantastic if you just followed us on our Mother Funk podcast. Now, Shirley, very kindly. So has that's Instagram. That's Instagram. Instagram. Sorry, that is Instagram. <laughs> Shirley has let me. She's. I'm now a named person. So I, we send videos, we post things. And I've noticed, Shirley, that um, now the followers are very different from my own personal. You have things like vegan vaginas and, you know, biodegradable baby clothes. And this is fantastic. So ladies and gents and those who identify as other, please, 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 please follow us on our Instagram post. Um, we are, Give them the address, darling. Give them it's the address. Mother Funk Podcasts. At Mother Funk Podcasts. At Motherfunk Podcasts. And um, we've got a lot to say. We've got a lot to show you. And we love the comments. We love questions. We love a bit of connection. Please, I pray thee. So, yes, that's all I've got to say, Shirley. Did I do well? You did really well. It went on a bit, but it's fine. We can, okay, we, we can we edit can it. Sort, we'll just we'll edit. sort you out and post. We'll sort you out and post. It's probably one of the longest episodes in the entire world. So if you are still listening, thank you <laughs> so much. And I think it might just be Alice and possibly Thomas. But if you are listening, thank you so, so much. I really, thank really you guys. appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Massive, massive thank you. And shout for now. You've been listening to Mother Funk with Shirley and Shirley, otherwise known as Joanna Carolan and Pascal Wilson, produced by Mabel Productions. Tune in and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.